0: We say that we believe in it every time we recite the Apostles' Creed. But do we know what it means? And just as importantly, do we know the practical implications that it has for our lives? I'm talking here about the communion of saints. We say in the Apostles' Creed, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. I should mention here that the word saints in this context does not only refer to the canonized saints, rather it refers to all those who are united to Jesus Christ by the grace of baptism. So what exactly is the communion of saints? Well, we find the answer, not surprisingly, in the Catechism, where we are told in paragraph 946 that, and here I quote, the communion of saints is the church. That, of course, is the Reader's Digest answer, but it's a good one to share in a homily, number one, because it's true, and number two, because it's easy to remember. If someone asks you, what's the communion of saints, what does that mean? You say, the communion of saints is the Church, which leads directly to the question, and what is the Church? Well, the Church, we know from sacred scripture, is the body of Christ, and the people of God. Now notice something. Notice we do not say that the Church is the bodies of Christ, plural, even though the people of God are currently living in three different locations or states. Some are already in heaven, some, like you and me, are here on this earth, and others are being purified at the present time in purgatory and are hence being made ready for heaven. Jesus has one body, not two, not three. And that means that the Church is one body, one body united in charity, even though it currently exists in three different locations. Our Catholic faith teaches us that there is A spiritual bond, a spiritual bond of Christ-centered love that connects the Church here on Earth, which is sometimes referred to as the Church Militant, to the Church in Heaven, which is sometimes referred to as the Church Triumphant, to the Church in Purgatory, which is sometimes referred to as the Church Suffering. I'm sure many of you have heard those expressions before. Now this truth about the church is illustrated beautifully, I would say, in today's second reading from 1 John 3, where the Apostle says this. He says, Beloved, see what love the Father has bestowed on us, that we may be called the children of God, yet so we are. That's a description of the church militant, all of us. He goes on to say, Beloved, we are God's children now. What we shall be has not yet been revealed. We do know that when it is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. That's a description of the church triumphant in heaven. And then he adds this important line. Everyone who has this hope based on him makes himself pure as he is pure. The souls in purgatory are there to be made pure, to be made pure so that their ultimate hope will be fulfilled. Consequently, this verse points us to the Church suffering. Father Ray, thank you very much for that theology lesson, but what does all that have to do with our everyday lives? Actually, quite a lot. This very important teaching on the communion of saints has some very practical implications that we need to be aware of and that we need to pass on to other people because there are many who are not aware of these things. Even many Catholics are not aware of them. The members of the Church triumphant, whose feast day is today, the Solemnity of All Saints, they have arrived. They have arrived at their eternal goal and they need nothing. Absolutely nothing from us or from anyone else. But they have a lot to give. They have a lot to give to the Church suffering, the souls in purgatory, and the Church militant, all of us. For example, they give us their prayers. They intercede on our behalf. We all know this. We all ask saints to pray for us all the time. We lose something, we pray to St. Anthony. You have somebody who's a hard or difficult case and doesn't want to convert to the Lord, you pray to someone like St. Jude. So they give us their prayers. They give us inspiration. They're examples of faith, models for us to follow and imitate in our lives. And through the Church, they give us some of their merit. That's why we have indulgences. Some people think the Church dropped indulgences. No, it hasn't. I won't go into that anymore today. Maybe that's a subject for another homily. But yes, indulgences are real. Hebrews 12 tells us that as we go through this life, we are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. These are the saints in heaven who are also with us here canonized and uncanonized, saints who love us, saints who want us to someday be where they already are, and saints who want to help us to get there. And they will help us if we ask them, and if we strive to imitate them in our daily lives. As for the Church suffering, they are prayed for by the Church triumphant in heaven, and they are helped, assisted, by the masses and prayers and offered up penances by the members of the church militant here on earth. And the good news is we can also be helped by their prayers, by the prayers of the souls in purgatory, although they cannot pray for themselves. The point I really want to drive home in all this is that death, physical death, does not completely sever our bonds with other people. The world says, you know what, when you're dead, you're gone, and that's the end of it. Nothing you do here can have any effect whatsoever on those who have left this life. The Church says, no, that's wrong. There's a bond, an unbreakable bond, that exists between us and the souls in heaven and purgatory. And because of that bond, which we call the communion of saints, we can still affect one another and assist one another, even though we're living in different places. Have you ever met someone who was extremely upset, torn up, about a relative or friend who had recently died, a relative or friend with whom they were not on good terms. People in that kind of situation tend to be filled with regret and remorse. I never had the chance to tell him I was sorry. I was never able to tell her that I loved her, that I really cared. I never had the chance to tell him that I forgave him. I never had the chance to ask for her forgiveness. Situations like that happen all the time, especially when the death of the person in question is sudden and unexpected. The world says to us, well, too bad. You blew it. You can't do anything about it now. It's too late. They're gone. That's the end of the story. Maybe you should get yourself some counseling to help you deal with your emotions. The church says, no, that's wrong. Yes, it's a terrible thing that your relationship with your friend was at a low point when he died. But fear not. If he's already in heaven, he no longer has any animosity toward you or toward anyone else, since no sin can possibly exist in God's heavenly kingdom. If he's in purgatory, on the other hand, you can do something. You can demonstrate your love for him by praying for him and having masses said for the repose of his soul and offering up penances for the repose of his soul. And he will know that you're doing that And he will be grateful, eternally grateful, for all the help, for all the assistance you're giving him that will help him to pass more quickly through the purifying fire of purgatory. Yes, physical death has severed some of the bonds you had with your friend, but it has not severed all of them. Some of the most important bonds remain, and they always will. I indicated at the beginning of my homily that belief in the communion of saints has some very practical implications. Well, this is certainly one of the most important of those implications. The truth is, and we all know this, there are many men and women walking around right now who are depressed and deeply burdened because of what they failed to do for people who are now dead. And they think that at this point they're completely cut off from these people and that they can do nothing to demonstrate their love and make amends. But they can. They can show their love. They can make amends. And the reason they can do these things is because the communion of saints is more than just a nice theological theory. It also happens to be true. It's reality. And for that, my brothers and sisters, we should all thank God.